Welcome and thank you for joining us today. So just a quick announcement uh, that we have one last luncheon in our 2016 program series. We'll be back here at Maggiano's on October 13th for our last program of the year. We're finalizing our topic and our slate of speakers, which will be announced shortly. So please continue to monitor your email and our website for the details. As usual, it's certain to be an informative and thought-provoking program. Today's program is podcast and will be posted to our corporate website. If you have your MCR, you'll receive one continuing education credit for each luncheon that you attend, and there's a sign-up sheet by the registration desk. As always, we encourage your feedback at the end of the program, so please take a few minutes uh, to fill out the surveys that will be distributed during the question and answer period. Also, our conference I.O. setup is active for today's program, so please feel free to submit any questions uh, via the link through your smartphone. So today's topic is Pathways to Positive Change. As corporations strive to implement transformational change within their workplaces, the use of pilots has emerged as a method of understanding and mitigating risk to ensure workplace investments achieve the desired results. We're fortunate to have with us today real estate executives from William Blair and & Company and McDonald's Corporation, two companies that have recently completed successful pilots. We would like to welcome to the stage our distinguished speakers who will share their stories and visions behind pilots that create pathways to positive change. Aaron Murray Butler with William Blair & Company. Aaron is the head of workplace and real estate management at William Blair & Company where she manages global real estate facilities, IT support, building security, travel and administrative services for Blair's offices around the world. She negotiated the lease for the firm's new headquarters expansion at 150 Riverside and has overseen the firm's expansion in Europe, Asia and Australia. Scott Phillips of McDonald's Corporation. As director of corporate real estate for McDonald's Corporation since 2011, Scott is responsible for the global and U.S. office portfolio, including functions such as real estate transactions, facilities management, and workplace strategy. And our moderator today is Tish Cruz from IA Interior Architects. As principal and director of workplace strategies, Tish co-leads IA Interior Architects workplace strategies practice. She consults with corporate clients to transform their work environments into places that help make employees' lives happier and easier, enabling businesses to thrive. So please, a round of applause for our speakers as they make their way up to the stage. Thank you, and please remember to uh, fill out the surveys at the end of the program. Well, thank you, Rich. Um, renowned 20th century inventor and visionary, Buckminster Fuller said this about change. You never change anything by fighting the existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. So I thought that was a pretty good quote to start today because that's what we're really talking about a new model for workplace. And as Aaron and Scott share what they've done at William Blair and at McDonald's, they're gonna talk about 
how they've leveraged a pilot project to really make a difference with their workplace. But before they get started, I just ask you to think about a couple of things that really make a difference when it comes to a pilot project, the benefits of a pilot project. The first one is a pilot project is a change management tool. As the old saying goes, I have to see it to believe it. If you think about when you plan a vacation, you imagine what that experience is going to be like. And then when you're actually on vacation, you're comparing that experience, that reality, to what you thought it was going to be. And you're comparing those differences. A pilot is really no different. When we create a pilot project, we're giving the workforce a chance to really experience what the workplace can be like in advance of that new and final workplace. The second thing to think about is a pilot as a way to manage risk. I think all of us in this room play some role in either recommending or proposing ways in which workplaces can be better, whatever our role is, whether it's proposing it to colleagues or, or clients. And when we think about that, the more information, the more data we have around what those opportunities are and what that pilot can do enables that risk to be a little less because people can see it. And the last thing I'd ask you to think about is a pilot as helping in decision making. With anything that you all do, there's multiple levels of decision making. And the more people have, whether it's a client or senior leadership, in determining what that change is for a workplace, because a workplace change can be a little bit, it can be more than a little bit, or it can be a whole heck of a lot, right? So when we're thinking about what that change is, having more information to help understand what that decision is and the options and the choices that are part of it can really make a difference in a pilot. So Scott and Aaron will talk about these things. And Scott, if you want to just maybe start, we're going to start a little bit with some context setting. Scott and Aaron are going to both talk about a little bit about their project, and then we're going to have some discussion around some questions. Great, great. So thank you, Tish, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to be here as a part of the panel today. It's a, it's a great honor. Uh, appreciate uh, Tish's role in helping to facilitate and, and pull it all together for us. So, uh, so thank you for that. Uh, you know, I've been at uh, McDonald's for about five years now, and uh, it, you know, it's really been uh, such a, a great opportunity, uh, a lot of fun to be a part of uh, an iconic brand within uh, uh, America. And uh, for the last 60 plus years now, McDonald's has really helped to change the way we think about uh, 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 dining out and, uh, and, and how families and uh, individuals do that. And, uh, and so uh, being a part of that organization, uh, it's not only uh, been a, a great honor, but a lot of fun in, in working there as well. And, and so uh, it's, it's always, uh, it's always interesting uh, when we have folks in and we get to, to talk with them about the brand and uh, you know invariably uh, people will share uh, what the brand uh, means to them and how the golden arches uh, uh, how they, they've either impacted their lives or how they've interacted with the brand in the past and and so whether it's uh, from the from the standpoint of uh, celebrating a milestone and, and going to McDonald's afterwards uh, to do that or uh, my first job was at McDonald's, and I remember uh, being a part of the, the crew there and everything I learned uh, as a part of that experience, uh, or even uh, just 
my favorite menu item, and uh, you know everybody has a, a favorite menu item generally, whether it's uh, French fries or uh, our, our new uh, McNuggets. Um, uh, but everybody has a, a story usually that they can can talk to uh, about the brand, and so it's always fun to engage uh, from that standpoint. And uh, what does the brand mean to uh, to those? Uh, that we get a chance to talk to, and uh, and how have they experienced the brand uh, throughout the years, and and so uh, as we uh, you know we have that connection at, at a very deep rooted level uh, over the sixty plus years that we've been in business, and uh, and so over the last few years, what we found is uh, with the millennial uh, generation, with a, a new generation, uh, that that same deep seated awareness and. Uh, and in some cases, love of the brand uh, isn't necessarily there. And, and so we've seen uh, with changing taste from a, from a customer standpoint, uh, with changing expectations uh, from, a, from a customer standpoint, that uh, we've really had to take a close look at what we're doing as an organization. Uh, and uh, while, while we have that deep connection with a lot of our customers, uh, we have to continue to build that with new customers. And, and so as we looked at that, that was a an area that, uh, we, frankly, we weren't uh, doing as well as we, we possibly could have over the last several years. And, and so with uh, you know, significant uh, change and, and evaluation of that, um, uh, we've really set upon a journey to look at what is the McDonald's culture? How do we look at taking the, the best of what has been a part of an iconic brand for, for so many years and, and really begin to make it relevant to a new generation as well. And so uh, when we think about uh, what does that mean, we're really trying to move toward uh, a, a more modern and progressive uh, look and feel and a brand experience for, uh, for McDonald's. And, and so as, we, as we've considered uh, what that means as an organization, uh, you know, first and foremost, we're a restaurant company. Uh, so our focus continues to be on the food that, uh, that we're, we're offering in our restaurants. Uh, really, you know, we, when you think about customer expecta expectations and changing tastes, uh, you know, all of us have uh, either the Food Network or you know, uh, some kind of uh, foodie connection, it seems, these days. So, so people are much more aware of, uh, of, of food in general and, and the products that go into uh, to their food. And so... As, a, as an organization, we've really had to consider how do we, how do we change that brand experience as it relates to the, the food and the, the expectations there. Uh, just the, the, the brand message uh, is an area that we, we've really tried to focus on. And uh, you know, with uh, 14,000 restaurants in the US and uh, keeping all of those up to date, uh, you know, a number of our restaurants have gone through uh, major remodel programs and really try to uh, to bring that brand message alive in the restaurants from a more contemporary look and feel, more modern and progressive uh, from a from an interior standpoint. Uh, so so food brand message, and then finally uh, digital has been a, a major component of what we have uh, really tried to use as a way to better connect with uh, the millennial generation and, and our customers in general. And so when we think about uh, digital. Uh, a huge initiative for us, uh, back in 2013, uh, we really launched uh, our first uh, global digital department within the organization. Uh, major game changer for us uh, from an opportunity standpoint. And so in, in doing that, we, we looked to uh, something that we hadn't done uh, really much of in the past or as much of, and that's look at the talent from outside of the organization that we needed to bring in to, to really foster that, uh, that digital approach. And, 
And so traditionally, we've been a company that has grown our leaders in the organization up through the organization. And, and at one point, um, you know, not that many years ago, about 75% of our senior leadership had at one point been in operations in the restaurant, maybe even started as a, a crew member uh, in the restaurant itself. And so we, we've, we've made this shift, uh, and, and digital was kind of the, the leader in, in moving this direction to, uh, to looking at how can we bring the right talent in from outside of the organization uh, to really help us play in an area that we hadn't been uh, successful in the, in the past, and really hadn't focused uh, on in the past as much as we needed to. And so with digital, uh, uh, you know, the, the digital group launched in, in 2013. Uh, we opened a, uh, an office in San Francisco uh, in the heart of the tech environment. And uh, so we really began to play in, in, that, uh, in that digital space from a technology standpoint. You know, just one, one quick fact, and, you know, as we think about scale, uh, from a digital standpoint, as we rolled out our uh, mobile app, uh, the, we had uh, 9 million users in the first six months that downloaded uh, the application, and I believe that's probably up there among, uh, you know, one of the highest uh, participation rates uh, that, that quickly from that standpoint. So, so clearly it was a, a way that our customers wanted to engage with us, and and uh, we rolled out with store locator, we rolled out with menu information, we rolled out with promotions and offers. And as we go forward, we'll look at expanding that into mobile ordering and uh, continuing to build upon that, uh, that digital initiative. The, the reason I you know, spend a little bit of time on the, the digital side is the digital, digital piece is really what led us to the, uh, the, uh, the pilot program that uh, we wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about today. And, and so as we, uh, as we assembled the digital team, one of the senior executives that uh, we brought into the organization, uh, very senior in, uh, in uh, Silicon Valley, uh, had been with uh, Amazon, had been involved in the Kindle uh, rollout and uh, the success of that program. And so we, we pulled this talent into uh, McDonald's and, and, uh, you know, and, and leveraged that talent to help start to build our digital organization. And, and I, I recall, and I have oftentimes told the story of, uh, you know, we, we, we worked uh, very closely with uh, a, a TIF, uh, Rafiq uh, is the individual's name, and a, a TIF uh, came to uh, our, our corporate real estate group, and, and uh, we started talking about this need for a San Francisco office, and we needed to have a presence in, in San Francisco, and, and so uh, we, we moved forward, and we worked with him on that, and it wasn't... Uh, uh, a few short months after that, that he came back to our corporate real estate team, and uh, you know, he, he asked for a meeting to sit down with us. And my boss uh, and I, uh, on the, the VP side, we sat down with the TIF, and we we talked about you know some of his hiring plans, and you know, looking at a, a very aggressive aggr approach from a from a, an expansion standpoint of their team. And one of the things he, that he talked about specifically was, well. And we, we're, we're trying to obviously bring in um, you know, the, the highest level of talent that we can. We think that there's, uh, from a scope and a scale standpoint with McDonald's on the digital side, a, a huge opportunity here. But the last two people that I have brought in to interview into our Oakbrook office, uh, as we talked about all of the opportunity and what the position entails, uh, one of their final comments were, you know, the opportunity is great, but I'm just not sure that I can see myself working in this space on a day-to-day on a -day basis. And so uh, obviously from a corporate real estate group, it made us take a, take a step back. You know, obviously, you know, we, we feel as though uh, 
Uh, you know, what we, we have, uh, have built and maintained in Oak Brook is, uh, you know, is our home, so, uh, you know, we're obviously proud of that, but uh, I think the, the reality for us and, and what really uh, started to, to come home to our senior executives were, was the fact that, you know, we ultimately haven't significantly changed our work environment in uh, almost 20, 25, 30 years uh, that we've been in Oak Brook now, and, and so, uh, you know, the, obviously the way the way people work has changed significantly. Uh, their expectations of what uh, workplace uh, provides has changed significantly. So, so it was really a great opportunity coming from a new leader, a senior leader within the organization, to give us an on-ramp to say, you know, first of all, after we recovered and you know picked our uh, chin up off the floor, uh, you know, we, we we thought about the fact that what what a great opportunity. And here we have a senior leader obviously very connected throughout the organization who is saying workplace matters and uh, he's coming to the the, uh, the real estate group to help him uh, address how we can can make those changes and drive those changes in our organization going forward and so as we as we worked with the digital team uh, you know, again aggressive plans as, as far as expansion of that team growing from an initial handful of folks uh, with plans to expand over the first year that they were in place by as many as uh, 50 to 60 employees. And so it created an opportunity not only from a, from a workplace and, and the design and the, and the strategy around that, but also just from a growth standpoint. And it just so happened that uh, the group that sat alongside of the digital team uh, that we had, had placed in the facility was our corporate real estate group. And so we were faced with uh, an opportunity, really, of saying, well, we essentially need to somehow get out of your way so we can allow you to, uh, to expand and grow the team that's obviously very critical to our, our business driver going forward. And so uh, we, we looked at that, again, as an opportunity uh, to really say, you know, we could take an approach of you know, downsizing our, our group, downsizing our, our workstations, you know, getting smaller overall, or we could really use this as an opportunity to investigate a, a transformational change in the, in the way that we were thinking about our, our workspace. And, and so with that, uh, and, and maybe I'll uh, jump to uh, some of the slides here, uh, just to give uh, a little bit of context as to uh, the space that we created. So uh, having that opportunity to, uh, to really uh, use ourselves as uh, guinea pigs, if you will, as a, as a pilot group, uh, we, um, uh, we, we created a space that uh, essentially uh, took our group of about 40 folks in our, in our uh, corporate real estate group. Uh, we reduced the amount of square footage, the amount of overall space that we were in by about 40%, uh, allowing us to move out of the way of the, the digital expansion and to uh, accommodate uh, the, the space uh, that, that we moved into uh, uh, and and I'll, I'll talk just a little bit about uh, some of the, the workplace strategy that we, we built into that. So uh, jumping ahead, uh, uh, working very closely uh, with, with uh, Tish and uh, many of the, the IA team, uh, we created an environment uh, that was one, it was unassigned. Uh, so looking at a fully unassigned workspace, uh, we created a space for a small locker, a, a working file, uh, but essentially, it was an opportunity that coming into the space on any given day, you, you drop in and, and you work uh, wherever uh, best suits your, uh, your job task uh, for that day. 
So what you see is a, a mix of different work settings uh, from, from bench standpoint, from, from uh, higher screens to, uh, to lower, lower screens. Uh, we created some booths. We're, we're a restaurant organization, so, uh, so uh, we felt like it was important to, uh, to build some booths in there and um, really created a mix uh, of different types of work settings that would, would allow our folks to choose uh, what best fits as far as their, uh, their work product for that day. So, so if we uh, circle through there, well, let me stop on uh, the, the previous one there. So just to give you a sense of our uh, 19 mid-80s uh, uh, furniture product, our, our workplace, you can almost see the top of the windows there to uh, catch a small glimpse of uh, some, some daylight. Uh, and then if you, if you flip to the next, uh, next version, so this is our, our pilot space. Uh, you know, we're, we're in Oak Brook, we're, we're in what is essentially a forest preserve uh, that we set on next to Butler National. Uh, so the ability to, to bring some of that environment, uh, bring it into the office just from the standpoint of opening up more natural light. Uh, and that's one of the things that we have gotten just significant comment and, and really raves about from the group that's occupied the space is, is the, the ability to, to bring more natural light in. So, so let, me, uh, let me stop there, and I know we've got some uh, additional questions that we'll touch on and give you a little sense of um, you know, kind of how our, our pilot played out. Thanks, Scott. Erin, you want to talk about William Blair? So hopefully I'm a better speaker than I am managing the PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly that didn't work well. Did great. Did great. Can you tell we didn't plan that? <laughs> well, thank you all for having uh, me today. I'm really excited. It's a topic that, um, for those of you who know me, I'm very, very passionate about. Uh, so when Tish asked me uh, to participate in this event, um, of course, I said yes, and I'm and, and very happy to be here. Um, so I work for William Blair & Company. It's a financial services firm, and we're over 80 years old. And we have multiple generations working in our firm. Um, and we've been in our space for well over 20 years. So when I came into William Blair and was asked to help facilitate a relocation of our Chicago office headquarters, I knew that I would be facing some challenges um, with the people that had been occupying space at our current location for so many years. Um, we started this process back in 2012, which is hard to believe, and Tish assisted us with it, and we started actually with a workplace strategy uh, initiative, which turned into an assessment. Um, but back in two, 2012, we really wanted to understand how our people worked. We wanted to understand what was important to them, what wasn't important to them. And we also wanted to understand the generations and how those generations in 2012 were going to impact our space and how those in the future were going to impact our future design. So we came up with some vision and guiding principles, which I'm not going to go through in detail. But ultimately, what, what we've focused on throughout all of these years right now is trying to create an environment that positively imp impacts client results, fosters employee engagement, promotes collaboration, all in a financially responsible manner. So we've really used that as the basis of our overall assessment and now design of our new building. Um, 
The process was quite detailed. And as you can see here, there were seven different work streams, if you will, um, that we went through from employee surveys to focus group participants, a space assessment, and meeting with very specific department um, leaders. It gave us a very good understanding of what was important to them um, so we could try and determine how we were going to move forward in terms of future design. One of the things that we found through the assessment is, is just what people thought today, and this is really more yesterday because I like to think that in the last four years we've made some progress, um, but people counted the ceiling tiles in their office. And you know this, right? Because people do. <clears throat> but um, we wanted people counting steps to the colleagues. We wanted people to know that space is powerful and shared space is powerful. We wanted it to be... Uh, okay that if you weren't at your desk working, that you might actually be working someplace else. Um, so we learned all of this as we evaluated working with all of our uh, employees departmentally and laid out what we thought they wanted to see in the future. I mentioned demographics at the beginning, and I think this is really important. Um, in our firm, and I'm not kidding when I tell you we still have traditionalists working in our firm, and they're coming to work every single day. They're in their 80s, and they come to work every single day. And a traditionalist works very, very different than a millennial. And so how do you take a firm of over 1,000 people and create a work environment to support how each of these generations work? Well, you can't give everyone everything that they want. So we did focus on the generations um, that are really going to be working in this workspace. And as of today, we have just under 80%, 79% Generation X and Generation Y. We did a projection in 2025 what the makeup would be, which is the bottom line. Um, and we'll be at 88%, Generation X and Generation Y. And that next generation will be coming into, um, into the work environment. So I said to myself and our executive leadership, I hate to say it, but we're not building this for you. I mean, we're not building this building for you. We're building it for uh, the future of the firm, which by the way, could have gotten me fired or not. Um, however, they understood. They understood that if we wanna keep our firm relevant and we wanna recruit the right people and we wanna continue to build, our financial services environment that we really needed to think about building the space for the future and, and listening to our millennials and even our bring your kids to work day program that where we interviewed the nine, 10 and 11 year olds to understand how they worked. So demographics was key in helping us understand uh, how we wanted to move forward. So how did we move forward? we built this concept space. We took 10,000 square feet of our existing location, um, gutted it, and took all the information that we learned from our workplace strategy assessment and designed it. And said, okay, IA, here's what we know. Help us design something and let's create an environment um, that gives people a sense, something tangible, that gives people a sense of, of what we're trying to accomplish. So we built this concept space, and clearly it was so that we could get an opportunity to implement some of the things that we learned for the headquarters and really get the end users to understand um, 
some of the changes that we've observed, some of the things that they told us, and let them test it. And then for the team itself, so we could figure out what made good sense in terms of uh, whether it was design or function or furniture. So um, we wanted to get a cross-section of feedback from the business units, and um, that is not an easy thing to do. Uh, because everybody wants to participate when they have time and nobody has time. And then when you're finished, they want to ask you why you didn't make time for them to do what you put in front of them. So, um, so we made it, um, we created this concept space. We had 13 different departments occupy the space for a three-week period in 2015. And it was an incredible amount of work on the facilities side and the technology side. But what it allowed us to do was take all of these different departments, and we had 30 different um, dedicated workspaces, and allowed them to come in and work in that space uh, and really give us feedback, true, real feedback, um, and offer um, the good and the bad so that we could figure out what was not only what they told us if it worked, but if they used it, did it work or did it not? And of course, we gathered lots and lots and lots of feedback, which I will probably be talking about a little bit later. Um, but the, um, the feedback in the way that we gathered it was through observations, through surveys, through focus groups, and then we even had utilization sensors that people were not very comfortable with because um, you, know, you want to collect the data so that you can share information because people want the information, but people don't want you to know what they're doing. So. Um, we wanted to be respectful of how people worked, but we needed to find a way to collect the data, and that's how we did it. So this is just a layout of our concept space, the 10,000 square feet that I mentioned. And there's just a few things I wanted to point out in this, and I have a video, fingers crossed it will work. Um, but what's important about this layout, the different colors represent different types of space. So all of the green um, was dedicated space. And so we only built four private offices. The rest was open plan. We know how people work in private offices. We were trying to understand how people worked in other uh, workspaces. Everything in blue or periwinkle, whatever that color looks to you, is non-dedicated space. And it could be anything from a quiet room to a heads-down focus room to a collaborative space. We actually came up with names for all 21 different places, the perch, the quiet space. Everything had a name. Um, and it was important because we needed to track it. But what we wanted to do was give people every potential opportunity um, as it related to non-dedicated space to see if it was useful to them or not. And then in the pink and the yellow, um, since we already went down the path, we thought, well, why not just build some um, collaborative food micro market grab and go space and introduce healthier foods, different seating options, more natural light. And so we added that, um, that component. And so this is the 10,000 square feet that our employees had the opportunity to test in 2015. And now I'm going to attempt, attempt to play the video.
so far. <laughs> A few years ago, William Blair decided to relocate to a new building. Our headquarters is moving to 150 North Riverside. The concept space started when we began our workplace strategy assessment. We really wanted to understand how our employees worked, and we gathered and researched a lot of information from a lot of different places, but mainly from our employees. Using concept space gives us an opportunity to rotate different departments into this space and live and breathe what we've built. Having them provide feedback and offer their thoughts, both good and bad, what works and what doesn't, gives us the opportunity to focus on what does work so we can more effectively design our headquarters to support the business needs of the firm. We are finding that each generation has a stronger and stronger desire to use technology and become more mobile in the work environment. So as we look to design this space, we need to think about the generations that we're building for. We really believe that this investment in time and money made a lot of sense because we can include our employees in helping make some of the most important decisions we have in front of us over the next 15 years. I should be, you should be clapping because I was able to pull it off. I didn't think that would work. Yeah, thanks to Beth. Thanks to Beth. Okay. So again, we're all about data and I just wanted to share some of the statistics that um, um, related to the concept space. We had five different feedback channels through sensors, observation, surveys. Um, there were nine different business departments, but uh, 13 different departments that tested the space. Um, over a 22-week period, uh, we had 64 focus group participants that shared feedback after spending time in the space. We had 66 different spaces, both non-dedicated and dedicated space. Um, there were 231 concept space participants, which represented almost 25% of our Chicago office, um, and then 270 survey respondents because we had asked people, even if you didn't sit in the space, if your department did, were you in a meeting or did you share um, uh, space or time down there? Um, so some of the things that we learned, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this um, with Tish, um, but we asked this, I like this chart because it really does tell you how satisfied people were and how important things were to them as we went through this process. And we knew that natural light was very, very important. We knew um, that um, the work environment providing uh, different options throughout the day uh, was important to them. So the idea was obviously getting as much as we could into the top right quadrant, we did fail in some areas, and we learned a lot. Um, and so we took that back um, as we designed our, our new space in 150 North Riverside. Um, but I will tell you that the acoustics was something that became very, very important, especially opening up the space and giving people more of an open plan option, and then giving the balance of people who are in an open plan to be able to work in a heads-down focused work environment. So 
I started to mention the key findings, but um, I'll go over them quickly, um, the ones that I didn't mention. But the variety of workspaces is very important. The height adjustable desk was hugely important and not just to sit or stand, um, but to be able to, um, if you're tall or shorter, to be able to adjust your work surface appropriately um, to be more ergonomic in your, in your work day. Um, also, the micro market taught us a lot about the quality of the food, just having fresh food, fruits, cheeses, um, healthier foods. And I mean, we still have the M&Ms because those will never go away. But we have a much healthier, um, healthier food environment selection for people. And then the things that we learned, um, placement of some of the collaborative space close to um, workstations didn't work for us. Um, the acoustics didn't work for us. People having their backs to the door um, was a negative. So all of those things we learned allowed us to incorporate into the beginnings of our design uh, in our new building. So overall, because of all of the work that we did, it allowed us to create functional work settings um, take the technology uh, to a new level in terms of how we function in collaborative space and dedicated space. Um, and then just really having that natural light, I cannot tell you the importance. And when I saw your, your slide, I mean, it's, the natural light is so very, very important. I, I feel that because it's such a huge change in our new building, we're gonna to have to buy sunglasses for everybody because we are in such a different work environment today from what we're going to. Um, and it just, it makes a huge difference. Um, so those are some of the things that we took back with us as we started to begin our design process for the new building. Thanks, Erin. Can you tell us a little bit about how you convinced leadership that the pilot was worth doing? <laughs> well, um, I always say I ask for forgiveness later, which I kind of did, but the, the, the approach that I took, very similar to sitting down with them and helping them understand that we weren't building the building for them, but we were building for our future, um, was that we invest a lot of money uh, as a financial services company in recruitment, in training, <laughs> in educating our employees so they can be the best that they can be. But for some reason, it's bad to invest money in advance to understand how workspace should be, which is something that lasts for 10, 15, or 20 years. So my argument was, if we're going to invest in leasing a new building, taking 360,000 square feet, doesn't it make sense to spend a little bit of money to make sure that we do it right and get feedback? And by doing that allowed us to introduce, and we've talked about this earlier today, um, that really important change management component that can't, something like this can't be successful unless you manage the change appropriately. Yeah, I think for us, you know, I spent a little bit of time with the background on our digital team, but we really were able to tie our pilot uh, program, our pilot project to a true business driver. And so when we, when we looked at that, when we looked at the need for expanded space for the digital team in the first place, and then also paired that with the notion that uh, as, a, as an organization, we had, had historically spent our capital on our restaurants and spent it out 
away from home office. And, and aside from the initial investment in Oak Brook, uh, we're really very conservative as to you know, significant improvements that we put into our home office facilities. And so the, the business driver, the expansion of digital, coupled with you know, some of that initial feedback from senior leadership, from new leaders that were coming from outside of the organization to say, workplace does matter. It's not the only consideration, but it truly is a consideration in being able to attract the, the type of talent that we needed to be able to, to drive uh, that, that really new, uh, new goal for our business forward. Scott, can you talk a little bit about how the pilot influenced the development of your workplace going forward? Sure, sure. So we have uh, a, a small little project we're working on in the West Loop now. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I say that jokingly, but really, you know, it's been an iterative process for us and, you know, being able to take these steps, you know, ahead of that project. So our, our pilot uh, space has been in place for about a year and a half now. And so we've done that pilot area. We've done uh, based on some other business drivers, we've done other pilots in other uh, parts of our home office facilities in Oak Brook. And so through the, the learnings that we've been able to, to glean from those, uh, as we moved forward with our, our headquarters relocation, we really had our arms around where we believe that workplace strategy needed to move toward uh, before we, we were into building plans and, and trying to figure out design and, and everything else there. So it really, it was the upfront work that has allowed us to, and I believe truly move our headquarters relocation forward that much quicker and to try and meet the types of schedules that our executive leadership team has asked us to try and meet with the headquarters relocation. Aaron, do you have anything to add on that? Just what I said earlier, I mean, it, it drove so many of our decisions and the one thing that I'm, there are several of you in the room who hear me say it all the time, is we always have to have the why behind everything. So if someone asks me a question why we did something, I, there's a reason behind what we did. They may not like the answer, but I feel very confident that because we've taken such um, a strategic approach um, to designing our new space that we really, if I know we didn't think of everything, but we thought of a lot. And um, having the why behind what we did gives you a lot more credibility when you're moving forward with a change like this. Erin, can you talk a little bit about the reaction of employees and leadership? And what were, how did you communicate back the results from the concept space? So it was, it was very formalized. Uh, we collected all of the data, and we sliced and diced it on a number of different levels, executive summaries, departmental groups. Some departments were more interested in others uh, than others. Um, and, and we really tried to tailor it for what was important to those groups. So, um, and that was very effective because, again, they had something tangible. They tested it. They saw it. And, and they felt like they had a place to, to tell us what they didn't like or what didn't work for them. And I think um, through sharing the results and offering um, the feedback almost in real time as, as they completed the process, um, it, it made them uh, feel that this was worthwhile and that this information was then being incorporated into the future design of our, our new space. 
we, we had an opportunity in working with, through our pilot to, to work with uh, another business unit, so the, the, the global digital team, but then also working with our own corporate real estate team. And so you know, we did surveying, we did focus groups, sat down with uh, the digital team uh, in, in planning the space as well as after the fact and kind of uh, post-occupancy. And, and so we got some great feedback from, from the digital team, from, from the other business unit. I would say we got even better feedback from our own uh, own folks. Uh, they they weren't willing to hold back. You know, they were very uh, honest and open about this is what works, this is what doesn't. Here's you know, have have you considered tweaking this or tweaking that? And I remember uh, we, we did a, a pretty extensive change management with our own group, even uh, in, in several meetings and surveys. And I remember. Uh, starting one meeting, and uh, my, my boss, the VP over our group, uh, got up and introduced the meeting. It was our, our department of about 40 folks, and uh, so he got up and introduced, uh, you know, bringing everybody together here. We want to give you a chance to see not only what, what this is going to look like, so before we moved into the space, uh, but to give you a chance to kind of process through, you know, uh, what, what this whole process will look like, and then what the ultimate outcome and how we'll occupy the space. And so he, he introduced it, and then uh, he introduced me and said, now Scott's going to get up and he's going to talk about the details. And if this is successful, it's great. If it's not, it was all his fault. So, <laughs> so, so he hung, hung me out on the limb there. Luckily, uh, I think we, we, we gained a lot of success from the pilot. And, um, and ultimately, it's been, uh, it's been a great process for us as we look at what is that workplace strategy going forward. Great. Could, you, could, could one of you address... What, what do you think are actually both of you addressed? The, what's the most important item to consider, items to consider in developing a pilot project? What are the takeaways for some of the folks in the audience? Uh, well, I would say um, it, it, you have to get buy-in, right? You have to have senior <coughs> leadership buy-in and engagement, and it has to matter. I, I, I think if, if you go through a process, no matter how little or how much you spend, um, and it doesn't matter to the employee, it's not worth doing. Um, you have to be pre prepared to be inclusive, to listen to the good and the bad. And sometimes, it, you know, it's not easy to hear. Um, but I, I would say that if, if you have, and we, I'm very fortunate because the senior leadership at William Blair and Company embraced uh, this process, and they supported, not only did they support me, but, but they helped communicate that message down to, the de to those in their department. And, um, you know, that's a really important element to have to, I think, make it successful. And I would say that that's probably the number one thing to, to get before before you start down the path. Yeah, I think for us, you know, we, we talked about uh, business drivers and, and having that business need, um, you know, that, uh, that really helps to, to make the process of gaining buy-in, gaining uh, approval on, on a pilot like this uh, a much easier process. Uh, some of the other things I think that we learned uh, and, and were, were major outcomes, uh, you know, to, to push the envelope. Uh, we, we started uh, looking at the space and starting with a design that uh, ultimately was very different than what we ended up with. And uh, there were a number of times where we had to go back and collectively as a leadership group say, 
are we are we pushing too hard? Are we not pushing enough? Are we are we not using this opportunity to its fullest extent to really see what we can do in not just change for change's sake, but change to try and further the business and, and create a workplace strategy that is going to help to to further the business as we go forward. Uh, you know, the other thing I think that was a was a great learning is just as we go through a, a very significant and transformational cultural change as a, as a company, the opportunity to use workplace to, to help contribute to that cultural change, to in some cases drive that cultural change, and it's, it's getting people out of their comfort zone. And, and really as we think about you know, why our, our move from Oak Brook uh, to the city, it's, it's making sure that we're not settling into a, a comfortable level of being confident with where we're at in our industry. Uh, we're an industry leader, and uh, you know, it's very easy to settle into a complacency. And I think uh, you know, credit to Steve Easterbrook's leadership, uh, you know, that's very much in, in his mind that we need to continue to, to push our organization toward that cultural change to, to better support our business. Thank you both. We'd now like to open it up to questions from the floor. <laughs> uh, did you have any insight or experience looking at branding as part of this, your pilots? And if not, this is a terrible question. So. <laughs> or did, did, did you did it get involved and are you, are you looking at it and how to incorporate it? I mean, I, I look at, you know, Scott, what you guys are doing and you see the pilot space and there's really no branding there. So it obviously didn't necessarily come up then. But I would imagine in the new space, it's going to look completely different. And sure. I'm just curious how, how you guys are, are partnering with the, the business on that. Yes, and so obviously brand is is very important to us, and uh, you know everything we do is uh, you know to to build the brand, to protect the brand, to to, to polish the golden arches, uh, as, as the expression goes. Uh, uh, one of the slide we didn't include in there. One of the slides um, as we were doing this work with the digital team, we also created a uh, a global digital hub, and uh, you know very significant branding effort around that. Uh, from the standpoint of what the digital team is doing around social media, around uh, getting closer to our customers and engaging with them more, uh, we created an entire space where we could bring a, a team in to be able to, uh, on a live basis, respond to what's going on uh, in the way of social media. The, the millions of uh, mentions that McDonald's gets over the course of, of a minute during the day in social media is, is just uh, outstanding and, and amazing. And, and so we, we've really tried to focus on how do we capture that better, how do we respond to it when we need to, uh, and how do we uh, gear our, our own campaigns, uh, you know, whether it's a launch of a new product or, or, or a new uh, a sales initiative. How do we better monitor that? How do we better understand how the customers are reacting to that and do that much quicker? So, so that was all a component of brand in, in, in the, uh, the pilot space, wasn't specifically uh, identified in some of the slides. Uh, the other component I would say is, you know, as we, as we targeted our own corporate real estate team, one of the notions was we, we wanted to use this space as almost an advertisement for workplace strategy as we go forward. So. We were, we were intentional to a certain degree about branding it as a corporate real estate space, 
And, and now as we're going back and having conversations with the individual departments about the headquarters relocation, now we're starting to talk about, you know, this is an open canvas really for you in the neighborhood that your group is going to work in uh, to really brand that to the extent that you need to. Our, our marketing folks branding at uh, Happy Meal Toys all around and, you know, and, uh, and packaging and all of those types of things. Our, our uh, digital folks, you know, that concept will be very different. But uh, brand is certainly a huge component of what, what we've considered and, and what we'll consider as the headquarters rolls out. Hi. Um, so you've done all this great work pre-move-in. Can you talk a little bit about what you plan to do post-move-in and whether the kind of measurement and verification will continue and data collection will continue post-move-in post to kind of compare and contrast? Uh, sure. Uh, uh, well, we're in the middle of it right now. The designs are done. We're con interior construction has started. And so so now we've moved into... we we. We coin our years. Um, <clears throat> this is we had the year of the design, which is last year, and this year is the year of the build, and next year is the year of the move. <laughs> and um, and so, one of the things for us is to make sure that we do take it all the way. Um, our employees expect it now, right? We've created this, and and they expect it. So, it, in addition to preparing people. Um, over the, these next nine months, we'll start moving in nine months and educating them on the changes. And again, IA is helping us with this. We have a website that we utilize for the firm that gives them information about the move. But everything that we're doing and preparing them for the move ties back to the concept space. So that information is folded into the future communications of the move. Um, as we prepare to physically relocate them. Once they're in the space, um, we will likely do more observation, similar to what we did in concept space. Uh, I don't know that we will put the sensors in, but we might. It'll be interesting to see if we feel that there's a need. But most definitely, there will be surveys, uh, focus groups, and meetings with the department heads to gather feedback about uh, what's working and, and what isn't. And it will continue on. We've continued to do uh, survey focus groups. Uh, has really been our main uh, means of collecting post-occupancy data. And, and uh, again, coming back to our own group, uh, we've, we've really gotten some great learnings from moving into a fully unassigned uh, workspace. And uh, one, of the, one of the learnings uh, for uh, specific job functions, we found that, you know, there, there may be some exceptions where, you know, you process a lot of paper, you, you, you don't want to move all of that paper around, and there's limited opportunity to digitize that. Uh, there may be some limited exceptions where we, we need to provide uh, a dedicated workspace. So, so all of that has gone into crafting what our workplace strategy will look like going forward. And as we talk with departments, first of all, we're, we're inviting departments to come in and you know, spend some time working in our space and not just an hour, but spend a day or spend a week. And so we're going to be scheduling that over the course of the next several months uh, to gain some additional feedback. Uh, but the the um, the opportunities to to learn just from focus groups, uh, you know, I think our McDonald's folks are not shy to uh, to express their opinions. Uh, so we've we've gained a lot of uh, a lot of data from that. Other questions? If not, uh, please thank our panel.
Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next month.